My name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series will contain interviews I conduct with women, female-identified, and non-binary individuals regarding their professional stories and personal narrative as it relates to their perspective. This podcast is designed to hold a space for all individuals to learn from their counterparts, regardless of age, status, or industry. We intend to transparently investigate the evolving global dialogue regarding underrepresented figures in all industries across the USA and abroad. By hosting these stories and conversations, we aim to contribute to the changing platform and representation of these individuals for the future. If you're enjoying this podcast series, be sure to check out our subsequent series called Roundtable with Patricia Kathleen, where we talk with a panel of guests regarding key topics that arise in these individual interviews. You can subscribe to all of our podcast series on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean, as well as our website, patriciacathleen.com. You can also contact me directly via this website or through my media website, wild.agency. That's W-I-L-D-E dot agency. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. and welcome back. This is your host, Patricia, and today I am sitting down with Amanda Bolin. Amanda is the founder and CEO of She Did It Her Way. You can find it on shedidithherwaypodcast.com. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you, Patricia. I'm excited to be here. I am too. I'm so excited to kind of get into your story. Um, As a fellow podcaster, I love chatting up people who have been doing um, what we're doing here and also kind of climb into um, your other business endeavors. For everyone listening, I'll read a bio on Amanda, but first I am going to go over the roadmap of today's podcast. It will follow the trajectory that all of the podcasts in this series follow um, in its constituents. Namely, we'll look at Amanda's academic background and early professional life. Then we'll turn our attention towards unpacking She Did It Her Way podcast series and other current endeavors that Amanda has going on right now. Then we will um, turn our focus towards goals that she has for the next three years regarding um, expansion, branding, branding expansion, all of those things. And we'll wrap everything up with advice that Amanda has for those of you looking to emulate what she's done, get involved with her current endeavors um, and all of that good stuff. A quick bio on Amanda before I start peppering her with questions. Amanda Bowen is the founder and CEO of She Did It Her Way. Shortly after two years in corporate America post-undergrad, Amanda made a leap, moved from West Des Moines, um, Iowa to Chicago, Illinois, and became a full-time freelancer, traveling the globe and delivering sales, marketing, leadership development, and employee trainings with large organizations. Some of her companies include J.P. Morgan, ATT, Weight Watchers, Intel, University of Kansas Medical Center, and others. Amanda first launched She Did It Her Way podcast in January of 2015 and has consistently been ranked as one of the top resources for female entrepreneurs by Inc.com, Forbes, Entrepreneur.com, Huffington Post, and many others. She Did It Her Way has been downloaded over 2 million times and continues to grow every day. Amanda's signature course, Ultimate Leap Suite Academy is designed to help women take massive action on their business idea, turn their passion into profits, and create freedom in their life. So, Amanda, I can't wait to kind of climb into (laughs) how you've – I love um, kind of the trajectory of what you've done with your career thus far. But first, can you start us off with like a good solid platform of understanding with your academic background and early professional life? Yeah. uh, Well, let's – yeah, I'll get right into it. So, um, 
I am originally born and raised in Dubuque, Iowa. So it's a town of 65,000 people. Um, I'm sure you'll hear the Midwestern come through in, in my Midwest accent here. Nice. But um, so I went to University of Iowa. I studied uh, finance as my undergrad and then got my certificate in entrepreneurship. And I've always been really interested in building and creating things. And I always am so focused on growth and kind of like, what's the next thing? And like business development really gets me excited. So when I left undergrad after being at University of Iowa for four years, that's when I took my job at Target in a, they call them executive team leader roles. So ETLs. And that was my first job out of college. I was in a store in West Des Moines, Iowa. It was a super target. And my job was to cover the soft lines. And that basically encompasses everything that you see on the carpet from boys, girls, men's, women, ready to wear jewelry, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And that was my first job. It was a really great learning experience. It was definitely one of the most challenging experiences. Um, Target's a fantastic company. And especially when working in stores, they, you get pushed to the brim. And I kind of always related that experience as sort of this military and retail, but then also post-college of learning how to suck it up and learning how to grow as an individual. So I did that for about uh, 13 months. And at about month six into that experience, I just knew that it wasn't for me. And I'm kind of like going way, way back here into that experience. Actually, I just kind of started going into my entire story, but you just asked academically. So I'm going to pause there. I'm just like, no, that's you know, really sorry. great though. Cause I think that, that that's yeah. the whole point, right? None of them are neatly segregated out. Like as right. human beings, our career is not somehow divorced from our personality or our personal life. And I think that that's totally. a large part of like why this platform and this space is being held for people. And, and you mm-hmm. sussed it out. We talked earlier in the week with another um, really, really advanced kind of titan of a woman who said the same thing. She said, it's, it's curious to me how people are always trying to divorce the personal from the business because it's particularly mm. in this day of self-branding, it's just simply not done that much anymore. It's how much of the right. personal you want to bring into it. I am curious though, when you talked about the ETL or the executive team, I don't know if it was leaders or leader. what the L was yeah. for it, leader. <laughs> so um, I had extensive re- um, uh, experience and putting myself through college in, um, I worked for Nordstrom for a series of years and there was oh. a great deal of like, I think that the behind the scenes is like working at a restaurant, if you've never done it, you really don't get like all of the different and various components that go along into that mechanism. So when you talk about the ETL, which mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with, did you have interactions with buyers? Were you also in charge of like looking at the sales revenues? What kind of information were they giving you yeah. and requiring from you? Such a great question and love Nordstrom. My mom works for the distribution center in Iowa and it's such a great company as well. Working at Target in ETL, it was very fitting in the fact that it, you kind of ran your own business. So my entire job as an ETL over soft lines was to manage and know my business in and out in terms of the revenue, how much were we bringing in every, every week? What were, what was the markdown percentages? Were we losing money? Um, and so it was really up to me to manage that business of the store. And I also managed and I had four direct reports and then I had indirect reports and then other days of the week I would be, they call it LOD. So it's leader on duty where you're managing the entire store operations. And the store that I was in at the time was $65 million in volume. So on a given weekend, you could be doing $150,000 in revenue in one day, managing also indirectly or directly um, anywhere from 50 to 75 employees. And that obviously changes with seasonality and you've got Q4 and all that stuff. But 
as a 22 year old coming out of college and having that experience and responsibility, there's nothing else like it. And at the time there may have, there were challenges in it. Um, but obviously looking back and that hindsight, like learning a lot and that actually put me on the next path and the next step that I took in my career and understanding and knowing that it's so important to hire the right people to retain mm-hmm. the talent and to coach and develop them in a way, because I was put into a work center where all my direct report, all the, um, our store in and of itself was one of the bottom performing stores in terms of talent and operational operationally in like 13 or 14 stores in the district. And within my soft lines was where they had the, um, what do they call it? Like the, the bottom performing team leaders. So as a newbie coming in and, and learning how to even get your management skills and learning how you manage and how you coach, and then also learning exactly the operations of how the business works was a lot to handle. And through that like experience of being there for only 13 months, I learned what it was to put people on corrective action and to coach them into a role or out of a role and learning like how people in a business in your business are so important to getting the job done. And it makes it easier as you as a leader to be able to run and manage your business. If you have really great people working for you and if you coach correctly and you have, you know, the correct leadership like capabilities to lead your team too. Yeah. It's baptism by fire to be put in on like the lowest yes. rung with the most struggling people and having yeah. to like redirect. And I mean, it's amazing. You can learn a lot in that situation, but yeah, it's not the most comfortable, cozy position. No. Usually um, you kind of come out of it like a, you know, a, a victim of war with a lot of information, but a lot of scars. Um, so you took that and then you launched into, you didn't launch, um, she did it her way until 2015. So after this, um, executive team leader experience at Target, where did you go to next? So I actually went through a third party agency and found myself at a job, uh, for about eight months at, uh, Wells Fargo doing recruiting and kind of where she, what she did at her way stands for now. And I'll get into this is really about helping women transition out of corporate and taking the skills that they have and the things that they're doing and really create that business so that they can find their own freedom through doing that in a location independence realm. So for me, when I left Target and I went to Wells Fargo, that was actually a really big leap for me because I went from having a really comfortable salary for someone who's 23 years old living in Iowa, who had really great benefits, who had PTO, who had a retirement program. to then when I went to this third party agency, I took a 20% pay cut. I lost all PTO. I didn't have any sort of retirement 401k that was up to me to get. And so that really set me up for when I made my ultimate leap eight months later, which was then after being at Wells Fargo for eight months, I had an opportunity to basically become the subcontractor where I worked with about a handful of companies whose end clients like JP Morgan, AT&T, Weight Watchers, Intel would then, I would get hired to work on their projects. And it was various around sales and marketing, leadership development, employee engagement. And so I did that for about from 2012 till, and I still do a little bit of it today with large corporate clients, but I don't take on as much because I'm obviously running. She did it her way, but it was in 2015 that, I mean, I was traveling every single week and I kind of got this urge where I'm like, I want something of my own. And it started out purely as a hobby and I love talking. And so that's how we kind of got to the podcast. It started as a podcast, but it really didn't turn into a business until late 2017, early 2018. So you started um, the podcast in 2015. And who did you start talking with? Who who were your original initial clients? What were you saying? Was it structured? How are you doing all of that? 
Oh my gosh. Thinking back to our first episode, which I'm sure like you could probably relate to this and anyone else who's, you know, you start something in the beginning and you know, three, four years later, you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe I put that out in the world. It's still good content, but then you look at your branding and everything else like that. So a lot of the messaging and interviews are still very similar to that of today in terms of interviewing women who are entrepreneurs that have quit their business or not quit their business, quit their job and have built their business. Now the podcast and the interviews and the content is a little, it's more focused on service-based businesses and coaches and really getting people mm -hmm. connecting that bridge from here's what, here's what you want to do and here's how you get started, right? Getting started is really where a lot of people get stuck. Mm -hmm. because they just don't know what next step to take. And so our goal at, at She Did It Her Way is to leverage the content like the podcast to inspire, motivate, and provide tactical and practical steps for people to take their very next best step. So um, yeah, I mean, we used to do, it used to be like tech startups because that was the big thing. So it was really all over the place because I didn't have, in the beginning, it wasn't focused. It was just a hobby. Let's see what works, throwing things up against the wall. Like this is fun. And obviously over the years, it's become more, um, intentional and more funneled, I guess, if you will, into specifically who we're talking to today and how our products and services can help those people. Yeah. Do you ever get reached out to being kind of a veteran in the field? Um, I know I get a ton of um, correspondence from people who are looking for advice launching their podcast because yes. somewhere along the line, Business Week, like nine, 10 months ago said like, you want to get anywhere, start a podcast. So mm -hmm. everyone was like, I got to do this. Yeah. And, um, and so I'm wondering, do you have, have you tied into your branch because you have kind of manifested from this podcast series into um, what you what you just called like launching women to help um, transition out of corporate into mm -hmm. you know, their own businesses with um, she did it her way kind of this company um, do you help do you have like an advisory or any type of a system where you help people start their podcast because that's how you did it or is that just something that is your personal story no, that's a, that's a really great question. I had a lot of people, I mean, people still do reach out about how to start a podcast. And for a while it was happening a lot. Mm -hmm. And then I actually created a course because I'm like, I can't, you know, from a time bandwidth perspective. So I did create a course yeah. and in the course and anytime I talk about podcasting, one of the biggest, one of the mistakes that I would say I made, and you learn from your mistakes every single day you learn, and they're not really mistakes. It's more of data, right? What worked, what didn't. And the thing about when I started, she did it her way as it gained momentum, I started looking at it as a media company and thinking that I wanted to go to the media route, right? Mm -hmm. Which is driven by downloads. It's driven by like eyeballs. If it's a blog, that sort of thing. And I really positioned the podcast as the business. But what I teach in my podcaster way course is you have to look at how the podcast is an extension of your business. How is the podcast delivering content? How are you using it to get people to join your Facebook group, get them to join the email list that when they join the email list and they download an opt-in, you are then inviting them to a 20 minute consult call. You're inviting them to join your paid program where there's a lot of things. When I first started it, I had no strategy, no understanding. So that's really where I always recommend. I tell people like, first, why are you starting a podcast? Secondly, what's the strategy and how does it fit into your overall business? And then, um, three is just getting really clear on like who your podcast serves, who's your ideal listener and how, like, how are you going to help them in and why your podcast, why, why would someone listen to it? And like, who are the type of guests or what type of content are you going to serve up? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And crystallizing that I think is exactly what most people who are getting ready to jump into podcasts don't really have yeah. figured out yet. <laughs> I always say, well, what is it about? Things. And they're like, I don't know. And I was like, like so it just figure sounds out like a good that. idea. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get an idea. Lot, <laughs> yeah. It takes a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces into the, po- yeah. like mo- creating, you know, a podcast and we have so many pieces and we use Asana, which is the project management software tool and absolutely love it. And I've got VAs doing a lot of the work now, but in the beginning, man, like it, you know, it's not, you got to know exactly what the strategy is and why you're doing it. Yeah. And the purpose. Absolutely. I agree. And VAs are, are a wonderful tool, but a little bit, and for everyone listening, those are virtual assistants and they've become kind of this um, hot topic and um, heavily used thing, at least in my realm that I function in um, over the past maybe 14 months. And there was a lot of trail of tears in the beginning, but I think people have started to fine tune and they largely come from um, pockets overseas. Virtual assistants are, mm-hmm. the Philippines is a big one, um, at least for a lot of the, the people employing them in um, the San Diego area that I'm in and tech in San Francisco where I'm from. So um, that's, so I like this idea of the transition yeah. and that you started with the, the, the podcast in 2015 and it kind of eventually morphed into she did it her way being this, this, this corporate entity in 2017, you were saying roughly around there. Um, can you tell me a little bit more yeah. about the difference? Like, do you differentiate the two or do you allow them to share the same body of water? Is, is one simply the podcast and the other is str- the strategic business? How does that work? Yeah, no. So definitely now the, the, everything is in one umbrella, if you will, under she did it her way. And I've positioned it. I've now made it to where the podcast is strategic. It's not just throwing content at the wall. It's not just, we're going to have this content on this date. Like there's a lot more strategy behind it and looking at, okay, what's our launch calendar look like? When, what type of content do I want to start planning around the launch calendar? Do I even want to have interviews and guests on the podcast? Or do I want to keep it my own content that I release and then have guest interviews as bonus content, right? As far Mm -hmm. as the products and services, our first we had some sponsorship in the beginning and, but really I would say our first offer was an in-person event, which I feel like if you talk to anyone, they're going to tell you don't do an in-person event to start with. But for me, I just love being around people. I love being a maestro of things. I love connecting and facilitating learning. And so I thought, and it felt, you know, energetically aligned. And I said, okay, let's try a one day event in Chicago in October 17th. So in three months, I, I put it together. I did a one-day event. We had 35 women from 11 different countries. And that really solidified for me that in-person events was definitely going to be something of our business model. Since then, the first two years, we're really still getting clarity on exactly who it is that we're helping. Who is she? What is she doing? What is she thinking? Is she product-based? Is she service-based? Is she doing tech company? Like, What is that? So there are a lot of things that we threw against the wall and to see what stuck and what didn't work and what we wanted to relaunch, what we wanted to retire, or maybe figure out like, how can it fit into another product and really start to streamline it. Right. And I think that is like, there's so much expansion at the beginning and now it's, it's hyper-focused on our six month accelerator program and then, or a one-on-one with me, but my job, like my goal is to always get people into the six month launch to leap accelerator, which even going and talking about things evolving. So at the beginning, when, at the time when, when it was sent over, we did have the Academy, the ultimate leap suite Academy. Right. And even after doing that, we realized, okay, wait a second, doing an Academy or an eight week group coaching program 
isn't entirely sustainable for people who want to quit their jobs because you, in order to see traction, in order to see growth and true movement, it takes more than eight weeks. And so that's why we created the six month accelerator program where people are being supported throughout that entire process. And they're getting access to all the content and material and the coaching and the accountability advisor calls and things like that. Can you lead us through some of the, like the, clearly you have some axioms or some pillars, you know, behind this kind of like encouraging women to transition from corporate into kind of their own enterprise or empire. Um, I imagine you have certain industries that you specialize in helping more specifically. And I don't know if that would be industries that you help people kind of graduate from and transition over into, or if it's Mm. going into that you specialize in, or if you feel like your reach is broad enough and your advice is basic enough that you can hit all industries and also um, walking them through processes. Are you hitting on, like, I imagine thinking about like, personal financing, business financing, Mm. like some of these things that you would want to like checklist down. Have you compiled all of that or do you deal with just one specific area of that information? Yeah, no, great question. So it, a lot of times the people that come through our programs are ones that are looking to do something very similar in what it is that they already do in corporate and kind of transition out on their own. So for example, they might be doing social media for a large company and they want to start transitioning and getting their own clients, but they don't know what next steps are. Mm -hmm. So that is, that is a good frame, like our primary target audience. Obviously we get other people beyond that who don't know exactly what they want to do, which there's freebies to help them get clarity on it. And then as far as like inside the program, we do touch on, I don't teach the legal. We have legal guest experts that teach on the the basics to know about um, incorporating your entity and how to do it in what state. And there's also websites that we give as direction where people can go to. I've got um, accountants who teach on like the bare, the, the bare basics and just getting started with accounting. So we do touch on, it's kind of like a holistic approach. And like you were saying, one of the things with, um, when it comes to leaving and quitting your job and building your business, part of getting clarity and setting revenue goals for your business in the beginning is also getting clear on what's your personal income. What are you bringing in? What's going out? Are you, what are your goals? Like, do you want to pay off debt before you make the leap? When do you want to make the leap? all of those different things along with like planning for business insurance, understanding healthcare insurance situation. So we, there's programs inside of the six month accelerator that takes students through those, um, the thought process and also like the worksheets to understand, like, here are the things to consider. Here's what you have to budget and plan for. Here's how we're going to get clear on like what you, like when does, I always tell people to make a, a set an ultimate leap date. And then how do you work backwards from that? And here are the things that we got to do to actually get us to your, your goal that you set. Yeah. How many people do, are you taking on in the accelerator? Do you have a maximum headcount? And your, if your matriculation is six months, are you rolling two a year or just one a year? So it's actually, it's a revolving door, which is kind oh. of nice. So there's not, there's, there's a, like a roadmap inside of there that um, when people come in, it's kind of like this roadmap, this checklist, obviously people are going to come in differently. And what I really like about the revolving door is that you don't run into the hurry up. Everybody's got to get in at this time. Mm -hmm. And so really the methodology is having conversations with people and then giving them the option to say like, great, if you want to work, we can work one-on-one, which is, you know, the higher price point or join the accelerator program, the six months, and then you get all X, Y, and Z and it's a lower monthly investment but it still gets them to commit to the six month 
long-term. Personally, I right now have it to where I can take on 40 people in the accelerator program. Beyond that, I definitely plan and intentionally like hiring more accountability advisors to come in and to create that high touch environment for the students going through the program because that really is where the accountability comes in where oftentimes there's so many online digital courses that you take, but then they build like dust on the shelf just sitting there. And so I really wanted to that people feel supported. So there's a Facebook group. There's also um, the accountability piece of it and then onboarding calls when they come into the program. Okay. And then, yeah, I mean, it sounds like the structure is there. So if people are looking to find out more about the accelerator group, I know that um, it's, it's kind of a hot thing. You know, there's in-person, there's a lot of online accelerators, but people really benefit from them. I think that that's why they're so exciting. It's not yeah. this kind of like, um, sub culinary degree you know it's like people are actually saying that's like what really um kind of helped them realize their um all of their endeavors and what they needed to do so i think it, when, when people put um information in they um or put the effort in accelerators really work and so if people are looking to look into your accelerator can they just get on um your she did it her way podcast.com and find out all about it or just hit you up on um she did it her way social media handle yeah, you actually, if you go to she did it her way podcast.com forward slash accelerator, that's where um, you guys can like people can go to to learn about that. Also, there's a work with me tab. So if it's something that you're curious about, but you're not sure it's a good fit or you want to learn a little bit more, you can schedule a 20 minute call with me and then we can go through that process to really see if it's a good fit and to get into the programs. Yeah, absolutely. Well, looking forward um, yourself at like, because it seems like, you know, it sounds like in the past three years, you've kind of um, followed this kind of beautiful chart and line from the podcast into this coaching, into this development of developing your own podcast and now into the accelerator. Do you develop like one to three business uh, year plans? And if so, what does the next three years look like in regards for she did it her way, the podcast and the business, um, scaling, branding, expansion, all of that. Yeah. That's such a good question. Yes. So with three, like our three-year plan is definitely to get to high a multi six figure, if not seven figure in revenue. But more importantly from that is to get, um, 20 students into the Alt, like the, the launch to leap accelerator program. So that's one. The other thing is, is to really build out the Ascension model. So the initial point of contact that when people interact with us will be the launch to leap accelerator program. Then beyond that is really looking at, okay, what's the additional layer? What's the additional next step that we can offer to those students who are coming out of that program? And I anticipate it's probably something about, you know, post leap post after you take that ultimate leap, um, coming out of the launch the leap program, what does that look like? So building out the Ascension model and providing that next step, if you're to look at it kind of like the wizard of Oz with the yellow brick road is really creating, what does that yellow brick road look like for us? And then how can we continually add value to the students who are going through the program? So super simple, just keeping it like, you know, if this is the revenue mark, how many students we need. And I think at a $500 per month price point, I think it came out to 168 students. Um, so that's a really goal. And then, you know, because of that with the students and the revenue is really looking at like how many women do we want ultimately to go through the program and to start their own business as well. So that's a really big focus for us in the next three years. 
Absolutely. And it sounds like a, a great guiding light, right? A great beacon to kind of set your, your future goals by. So I'm wondering, we've gotten to the place in the podcast, which is my um, very favorite, which is why yeah. I leave it to last. Um, I'm curious if, if someone was walking up to you today um, or tomorrow at a, uh, well, not a coffee shop or a park because we're not allowed to go in those anymore. But if it, if we were pre um, COVID-19. <laughs> Maybe a virtual coffee um, shop. Yeah, right. A virtual coffee shop on a Zoom party chat room. Um, I'm wondering if someone was seeking advice from you as a young woman or a female identified or non-binary individual um, came up to you and said, listen, um, I have this idea. I've, you know, I've had these great corporate experiences, but I'm really thinking that's not really the path for me. I've garnered all of the information I want to garner. I'm thinking about starting a podcast and then getting into like my own stream of whatever I'm good at in business. What are the top three pieces of advice you would give that individual right now, knowing what you know? Mm. Yes. For that, I would just get really clear on what are you selling and how are you selling it? Like who, what is the offer that you are looking to put out there? How are you helping people and who is it that you're helping people? And then what is your marketing strategy? I think so often it's easy to get, and I say that because it's very easy. And I've done this myself in the past, especially getting started to focus on the things that are not necessarily driving revenue. And I don't know if that comes from a place of procrastination. It comes from a place of unconsciously like protecting ourselves, but you, mm -hmm. people can get started. And I want people to know this, that you can get started and build a six figure business without even having a website period. Sometimes right. we focus so much on, I need a website. I need a website. But what happens is, is that people think that they need that website and then they stall out on building the website because it's so overwhelming. So then they think it's conditional that I need a website before I can go get clients. And the truth is, is that that's, that's BS. You can't, what you need is you need, you can easily create. So one of the things that I have my, my clients and students do is you can easily create a one page, two pager PDF document. You can do this in Canva. You can create your, um, Facebook business page. And all you need to do is start emailing people and start doing direct messages and get in front of as many people as possible, because that, especially in the beginning with services and offerings, that's, what's going to lead to getting clients. It's not necessarily like needing a website or needing to have all this social media or having to have an audience of 50,000 downloads and listenership. It doesn't mean that you have to have like 5,000 people on your email list either. Like I am such a big proponent of getting started, taking messy, massive action, whatever that looks like, doing it with a plan and focusing on what are the revenue generating activities and getting clear on what is your offer, who are you offering it to? And then how, like, how are you selling it? So what is your marketing sales and marketing strategy? And just having as many conversations with people as you possibly can. That's what I, I would, messy, that's what I recommend. Yes. <laughs> whatever it looks like. I like that. That's fantastic. All right. So I think yes. I've got two out of that because there were about 15. But Passive got, action. Yeah. yeah. Get clear on what you're selling, why yeah. you're selling <laughs> it, and how you're selling it. Taking messy, massive action, whatever that looks like. And then your third piece of advice would be? Um, let's see. The... Get out of, um, do as best as you can to be present and get out of your own head because yeah. what's going to happen is that your primitive brain is going to want to keep you safe. It's going to be scary. You might not want to send that email. You're going to be worried about what other people think. What if they reject me? All this stuff, stay out of your head and focus on like the end result of what you can offer and how, how your offer is going to help 
your customer and come from a place of serving and get into that mindset to help get you in alignment versus worrying about what other people are going to think. Yeah. Because people are going to have opinions either way. Always. And they're not always going to be good or bad. You got to stay away from that. Stay off social. No, just kidding. Um, but definitely don't yeah. take, don't get your opinions from there. Yeah. I love all of those. I feel Discern. like you really addressed. Because yeah. <laughs> I think the three pieces, when you get clear on what you're selling, why you're selling it, and how you're selling it, that's very like intimate knowledge with the business, the product, all of the things. And then the messy, massive action is, is so wonderful because it deals with, I, I think, the bravery and um, some of the hesitancy we have with just getting work out there. Like, you don't have anything to edit until there's stuff out there ready to edit, you know, and this kind of cautionary step slowly building is, I think you're right. Like you can build a business 100%. without a website and kind of getting caught up on some of those particularities that people um, have or don't have is what slows them down. And then your last one um, to get out of your head and do the best you can is, is where we're all at. It's the personal, you know, id and ego of being a human being. So I love those. I think those are genius. Um, I really appreciate them. And I love what you're doing. I can't wait. I think I, I would love to circle back around and convince you to um, hook back up with us in about nine months and find out where um, she did it her way is at. I would and, love it. And do everything. I want to say thank you so much, Amanda, for talking with us today. I know you're so busy and I really appreciate your time and giving all of us your information. Thank you, uh, Patricia, so much. This is really like it's an honor to be on your show and also to hang out with you and your listeners. And if anyone's listening, um, come connect, like hang out with me. We have a Facebook group. It's her way community. And then also you can follow us on Instagram. I'm in and out of those DMS all the time. So thank you so much. Absolutely. And for everyone listening, in case you missed it, it's she did it her way podcast.com. And on social media, it's at she did it her way. We've been talking with Amanda Bolin. And for all of you listening, thank you so much for giving us your time. And until we speak again next time, remember to always bet on yourself. Slunch it.